Pitch Deck Asia. Your story, your words. Hey folks, we're live. This is Pitch Deck Asia. My name is Graham Brown in Singapore, in the studio, all the way from Myanmar. Welcome, Sully Bolat, to our humble studio. Thanks for gracing us with your presence. Welcome to Singapore. Thanks, Graham. It's been a, pl- it's a pleasure coming here and visiting the studio. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. You are from Myanmar, or Burma as it once was known, but it's an exciting place to be. You're based in Yangon. Yep. Um, we're going to talk about Flexible Pass, which is your gig, your startup. Mm. And I think Myanmar is one of the most exciting startup ecosystems in Asia right now. I mean, I hear a lot of great work going on there. I know the guys at Pandia. Yeah. I see startup, young startup entrepreneurs like yourself appearing more and more coming from Myanmar, especially coming over here in Singapore. We'll talk about Myanmar in a minute. Mm-hmm. Why are you here in Singapore? Yeah, so we have this Echelon event then tomorrow and Friday, and FlexoPass being selected as one of the top 100 startups from Asia. So we'll be participating in there. We'll be pitching there as well. Great. I'm very looking forward and excited to be part of the event. Have you uh, done an event like this before outside of Myanmar? Yeah, I've been to multiple events, actually. I've been to the uh, Germany last 2017, been yeah. to Singapore multiple times to pitch in front of some other events as well. So been, Cool. Yep. Excellent. Well, best of luck with that. Yeah, thank you. Do you have people back home in Myanmar watching this video now? Yeah, I think so. I think my team, I've shared the link with them. Hopefully they're watching and my my, uh, friends and family from Facebook and LinkedIn, hopefully they're watching as well if they're free. Awesome. Big shout out to Myanmar. Let's say hello to everybody. Can we do it in Burmese? Hello, Minglava. (laughs) I kind of understood what that means yeah so if you're watching Sully give him support if you're watching the video like the video comment Um, be great to read some of those comments so let us know that you've been watching it during the live feed as well hey so um, maybe we can talk a little bit about flexible pass first what is it and then you know we can talk a bit about Myanmar Mm -hmm. what's exciting in the startup ecosystem over there and also a bit about your journey with Flexible Pass. So please help us understand Flexible Pass first. Yeah, so Flexible Pass basically is a pay-as-you-go like fitness pass that people can use for different gyms, fitness centers to do different fitness activities all over uh, Yangon and we have expanded to Mandalay. So basically a pass can go to different gyms, enjoy different activities without uh, being tied to a single membership. Right, okay. What's the problem with that? Why, Why do I need that? Surely a gym's cheap in Myanmar, no? Um, the prices are pretty expensive. I think fairly expensive for a country like Myanmar. And we yeah. feel that people, I think, have a limited options and a lack of flexibility in type of membership they could buy. And we also feel that people, I think, they kind of end up wasting money sometimes if yeah. they don't end up using the whole gym membership. So, And as a result, they get discouraged from doing fitness and wellness. So it's not good for their health in the long term. So we want to create a solution for that so people could just enjoy fitness without having to worry about uh, wasting money. Where did this idea come from? Are you a fitness guy yourself? Are you like somebody who experienced this problem yourself directly? Um, so when I was uh, living overseas, I know, know a lot of people and also myself went to a lot of gyms and then just try fitness. I know fitness is very popular in other countries. I also drew inspiration from other similar startups around the world like ClassPass, Pass, And I feel that um, this market is a big opportunity in Myanmar and no one yeah. has done it before. So I want to do something different. 
What would mm-hmm. I pay for a gym membership normally in in Yangon? Um, around fifty dollars a month, US dollars a month. Right. Yeah. And how does that compare to the average Burmese person in terms of their wages and so on? I think still fairly high, and even the premium, some of the premium gym they also charge up to one fifty dollar per month. One hundred and fifty dollars, uh, yeah. US. US, yeah. That's a lot. What, what's the average wage in Myanmar? Um, I think it's a little bit difficult to find exact wage, but I think the income per person is lower, much lower than other ASEAN countries. Right. I would say, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So probably like three or four thousand. Yeah. Year, maybe or something. So yeah. I mean, it's a lot of money, isn't it? It's like a big chunk of their mm, salary, yeah. right? Okay. Um, so you come along, you understand that there's a growing group of people in Myanmar interested in fitness, yep. and they can't afford gyms, or mm. in the sense that they buy a gym membership, but it's a bit of a waste, isn't it? Maybe they yeah. only go a little bit. Or So how do you solve that problem? What, what are you going to do? How do you fix that? Yeah, so our model is people only pay on the days that they use, but they just have to top up a certain amount in advance. So they can just top up uh, $30, $50, $100, and $1 equals to one point. So they buy a certain number of points. And then once they make booking to go, they just deduct from your points. So kind of like you only pay on the days that you use. Right. Points are valid for six months as well. So you can travel, go wherever, and then just come back and use it again. And we also feel that we're also helping the gyms in a way because I think operating a gym is expensive as well. They have mm. overhead costs, marketing Cost, salary costs, so and then there are lots of empty spaces sometimes for studying classes with flexible power. They're connecting people with that as well, so the gyms also get additional revenue to fill up those spaces. But what is the gym's number one problem? I mean, if you you must have spoken to a lot of gym owners, mm. what what are they struggling with at the moment? I think they're struggling with just like getting the like the brand out there and getting more people to be aware of uh, of the services, right? Like properly, and also sometimes I feel they're not. They find it a bit difficult to utilize their space, like even for classes. I think in other countries, they divide like peak hours, off-peak hours. Like in Myanmar, those type of concerts are itself are very new. Then with Flexor, we told them, oh, if you charge lower at off-peak hour, you can bring in more members. So we started talking to them. And at first, they were like, oh, we don't want to uh, do extra work to check whether off-peak or peak. Uh, but then we tell them, oh, that's actually a good way for you to get additional revenue yeah. and all this stuff. Yeah. See, uh, you understand, Jim, Jim, the economies of gyms as well, better than anybody else, I guess, because you're working in the industry. I always thought, and I obviously wrongly, mm. um, that gyms business model was built on the fact that they could sell a lot of membership, but only a few people would actually use it. Mm, That's yeah. how they made the money. So if they sold 100 memberships, maybe 15 or 20 people would actively use it yeah. and they would get their money's worth out of it. Like when you join, you think, yeah, mm. I'm going to go every day. Yeah, and you, then you uh, also New Year's resolution. Yeah, yeah I'm too busy. I'm tired after work, and then you know maybe you slack after once a week, and then you have a blank of a month, and so on. So you get that redundancy in your membership. But I thought that's how gyms actually make their money because if everybody who bought a membership turned up, yeah, they would be overcrowded. I can't get on the machine and. That's how I kind of think. Is that right or is that just kind of a bit of a myth about gyms? Uh, I think that's right to a certain degree, a certain extent. I think that's true that gyms do sell a lot of memberships and then they oversubscribe in their round because 
not everyone's going to come at the same time. So they're not always like 100% crowded. There's going to be some uh, capacity, let's say 80%. If it goes over that threshold, then the gyms become overcrowded and the members wouldn't be happy. It was like too many, too crowded and yeah. all this stuff. But we also feel that at certain times, let's say, uh, off-peak hours, the gyms are empty and then they're just kind of losing money if they do classes or operating costs. And then with Flexible Bars, we help them list on our app so they get free marketing coverage and then they can listen to the reviews of the users and all this stuff. And people could easily see their classes and all the schedule right in one place. Right now, I think most of them, they just the users don't know when the classes are starting all this stuff. It's not all in one unified place as well. Okay, good. I'm going to ask you a bit about how this relates to Myanmar yep. in a minute and why you're working on this. So you've shared your pitch deck with us and I'll flash just yep. a couple of slides of the pitch deck up if we can, just to kind of cover some of the areas we talked about. So flexible pass, obviously you've talked about the problem, mm -hmm. which is a lot of the wastage, right? There's a lot of wastage within the, on both the gym side and the membership side. Mm, right? yep. um, and there's a lot of assets, a lot of real estate, fixed real estate, which can't be optimized. Yeah, true. Right. Which is like a bit like Airbnb, isn't it? Like you buy a house, mm -hmm. you have a spare room. You can't just sort of rent out the spare room. You can't mm. just section that off. You can do it through Airbnb, right? It's the use of that sort of redundant asset, if you like. And talk a little bit now about the solution. So as I understand it, uh, flexible pass, and bear in mind, some people can't see this, they're yeah. listening. How does it work? I understand it's a top-up scheme where you can buy points, which you can trade in for classes and yeah. day access. Is that that sounds like the basic level, but I would imagine there's a lot more you can upsell here, right? So explain to us how this works. Yeah, so basically the first time you create an account through our app, and then once you created the account, then you buy points using uh, like cash or bank or any other type of payment methods. And once you have the points, you can start making bookings. And let's say this gym costs five points per day, it'll deduct five points from your balance. If it's another gym or swimming pool costs 10 points, it'll deduct 10 points from your balance. You can make bookings as long as you have enough points to cover for. And also, we started to expand to other fitness activities, so not just gyms. We have fitness classes, swimming, we even have rock climbing, like uh, horse riding. So any type of fitness activity we're able to put in, we now have 20 categories. Right, so, not just gyms. Not just gyms. So right, so if I own a riding school, mm. I can use you to help yeah, get, acquire sure. customers, right? We even have like paintball, laser tag, right. all type of fitness activities. Anything that makes you sweat, we'll put it in. Yeah, that's interesting. Because I imagine that now, if you're attracting a group of active people, if I'm going to use a gym, I'm probably more likely to do something else. Yeah. Like it could be, like you say, paintball. Mm -hmm. So you know my target like demographic. I've got money. Mm. I'm actively out there doing stuff as well. All right. So it's not just gyms. It's across a wide range of activities. How do you make money out of this? Yeah, so what we do is once the user makes a booking, then we take a commission fee. So we have a negotiated rate with our partner gyms, and then they'll give us a discounted rate. So whenever a user makes a booking, we get some kind of a commission. Yeah. Okay. And do you have plans to build out a Grab style or Gojek style <laughs> platform? Because you, you've got people's credit card details or their payment details or their bank details, right? And you have access to their profile, I guess you know a little bit about them yep. and their behavior and so on. Now, what other stuff can you do here? Mm. Can you start throwing in, I don't know, 
insurance or can you where, where's the opportunity here because i imagine you're collecting a lot of data about your mm. people right we actually don't collect the credit card or payment if just once they put it in we get the points so the money is already in the account so once we have that they will we don't have access to the card because it's not like a subscription model yeah you only top up when you want to so but i think in terms of the plan expansion we definitely want to go not to other ones like insurance or anything, but we want to expand to the wellness category. So right. I think the next uh, relevant one we see is like the uh, fitness, beauty and wellness category, like spas, massages, yeah. beauty services. So because those things are bookable activities as well, so yeah. we plan to go towards that as well. That's our next plan. Okay. Juice bars. Yeah. Yeah. Like the sort of health food. Yeah. Health, spa, beauty services, okay. like nail salons. Yeah. Yeah. And so let's put this into the context of... Myanmar. Mm -hmm. Why are you focusing on this when, I mean, Myanmar is a fast emerging market. And yeah. really, if you look at the mobile market in Myanmar, it went mm -hmm. from zero to like 90 odd percent yeah. in very, very short amount of time. It was a rapid growth, right? And that really only happened over the last five years, didn't it? So the internet has exploded. Why are you focusing on what seems to be uh, services targeted at maybe more developed markets mm -hmm. and, and develop consumers as well, middle-class consumers who are used to this kind of stuff, where maybe the more immediate need is more infrastructure services, you know, the stuff that builds out the infrastructure that everybody needs this to sit on top of, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So wh why did you go into gyms? Yeah, so we feel this is a huge market opportunity. I think starting from the late 2016, a lot of more gyms opening up. I think a lot of people going into the industry, there's a lot of like fitness activities event popping up, like Zumba events, like uh, all those like fitness events popping up outdoors as well. So we feel that there's a huge opportunity for that. And I want to do something, as I mentioned before, that no one has done in me. We want to be the first ones to do it yeah. and we want to be the only ones doing it so far so we have exclusive agreements with our partners so that it's make an increased barrier to entry for new competitors coming currently we're the only one and no competitors yet and we also wanted to target a different type of market which you say is true like a more developed i would say like a little bit more premium market and because a lot of my friends and other people that i know are going towards the, the little like the uh, more underdeveloped market with yeah. a lot of market size as people going for travel or people going towards like food and all this stuff so we want to do something different and we feel with the technology that we have and with the type of uh, application all this stuff i think it's more suitable for those types as well right i mean somebody might argue that is the market big enough in yeah. Myanmar? you know how, how do you sort of answer that if an investor asks you what's your total addressable market so according to our research, the total addressable market is around 604 million. Yeah. So I think we feel we hope to get a good chunk of that as well. That includes both the fitness, wellness, and beauty categories as mm. well. And then we actually, I think the main focus and the main problem, uh, the main solution that we're helping both the just solution providers like the gyms and then uh, ourselves is the booking element of it. Because right now, I think, uh, it's very hard to make a confirmed booking, like especially for some of the fitness activities like futsal courts. People want to uh, play futsal at Saturday 2 p.m. Right now, they have your phone call and book it. With Flexible Bars, you can just book it on the spot. Yeah. So we're also creating a new B2B product to help the merchants, like our partners, use it. Because right now, they're not using any kind of system to keep track of it. Right. They just use like pen and paper or like Microsoft Excel. So it's a little bit hard for us to sync all those data. Yeah. As well. And do they have, I mean, how advanced are merchants with payments in Myanmar? Because I imagine Imagine like, for example, if you go to China, yeah. they weren't, didn't have any sort of inherent payment systems, but along comes Alibaba mm. and says, here's a payment system for you. We'll look after that. So how are you in Myanmar? 
Yeah, so in the beginning, I think a lot of people, I think for fitness, they just think of cash. I'll bring a lot of cash and just pay to the gym at the reception. That's their concept of how things works. But I think uh, things started to change. We have uh, more people paying to online cards and like bank transfer. We have mobile wallets. I think hopefully when we now have a, one of the major banks having their own wallet system, similar to like GrabPay. Yeah. So we've seen a big increase. I think right now, when we first started, like I think over 70%, just through cash. We have to go collect cash at the user's all house or the office. Right now, I think over 95% are non-cash, like bank transfer, online right. card, Visa, MasterCard. So it just on the, instantly, you just top out through your card. On the app, you make a booking, go to the gym. It's all automated process. Yeah, okay. Great. Is, is it Was it challenging for you setting this up in Myanmar? Because you said you wanted to be the first doing yeah. that. What kind of reaction did people give you when you said you were going to do this what was the kind of response from um of i guess a lot of people in the startup ecosystem would have been supportive of you yeah. because it's exciting and you're taking a risk right but outside of that mm. what kind of response did people have to this yeah i think people were pretty like critical and not very like supporting I think some like people from outside the community because they feel that it's a very risky idea no one has done it before there's no proof of concept there especially yeah. in a market like myanmar and then when you first talk to some of the gym partners they were like um they're not sure how it was going to work and how it's going to affect them whether it's going to hurt them or help them because they haven't seen anything like it before and they're like why should we partner with you yeah yeah. So I think we find it a little bit difficult, but then we managed to get a few of the big partners on board, and then that really kick-started it. And then when more people have used it, they just refer to their friends, and the the network grew. Yep. So how is that like, though? I mean, you're a young um, Burmese entrepreneur. Mm. Do you have a lot of obvious role models to look to in that that space? Because you're talking about, for example, taking a big risk. Mm -hmm. If you grew up in Silicon Valley that would have been a lot easier because you can point to a lot of people who took big risks mm. and it did very, very well. They did better than the guy in the bank or the guy working for the retail company, right? So if that was the case, you know, you would have had to have something to refer to and say, look, this is going to work out. Mm. But the, the Myanmarese, the Burmese startup ecosystem is so new. Yeah. You don't have necessarily a lot of examples to pull from. So how, how did you cope with that? Because, you know, people are saying, this is a big risk, Sully. What are you going to do? You say, that's no, fine. These guys worked it out. Who are people looking to at the moment in Myanmar? I mean, who who are who the people I'm looking up to? In yeah, I mean, who, who do people look to? Yep. I mean, it's an Asian thing, right? We don't have a lot of great role models yep. yet. But if, for example, if I was in China, I could say, well, it's fine because Jack Ma did it. Mm, yep. you know, Tencent did it. And look at like Mei Chuan or all the great companies coming out of China now. So it's fine. It's, it's fine. But the people who were in the very early stages had to take huge risks because they didn't have examples to follow mm. so how is it now in in myanmar with that without the sort of obvious examples around yeah it's true in myanmar there's no like very like big news like no unicorn anything yet i think but i think we do draw inspiration from a lot of the other founders who've done it and make it i think we have a huge wave of founders i think starting from around 2012 
which right. I think there was a lot of people started as a startup and then they just grew on to become like successful and they made it into the fourth 30 under 30 list in 2012, 15. Yeah. So a lot of people, we knew these other people and the network itself is very small. Like as you mentioned, we have Pandia, we started in 2016 with Accelerator and I was part of the, one of their program founding issue from Silicon Valley and I know my fellow friends who are also startup and they're also doing well. So we just cha- exchange ideas. We just like help each other out. And then we feel that I think with the support of the mentors, advisors, I think we feel this could work because a lot of them supported it. And then they were like able to make introduction and connections. Like some of them able to help me connect to a gym partner who could able to make the decision right. to partner with us. So with that validation, I think we definitely try to go for it. Yeah, you sort all in it together, helping yeah. each other out. How, how old are you now, Sally? Uh, 25. 25. So, I mean, compared to, for example, like the Singaporean ecosystem, mm. you're a lot younger than the average. And I, I imagine in, in, in Myanmar, you're probably about the average of age of startup founders there, yeah, right? they true. seem to be all that sort of same generation maybe a little bit older yeah so. like a few maybe like 26 27 a little right. bit older right. yeah, but some, bit some older. are younger as well so right because here in singapore we have startup founders all the way up into their 40s yeah true. and above <laughs> right so you know a lot of old guys do startups and there's less in the younger category but i guess in a market like myanmar mm. they're all quite young aren't they yeah they're sort of like this young quite ambitious they don't have any you know, there's no sort of set way of doing things, right? Mm. It's like, you've nothing to lose. We can do this because this is all we have, right? We're going to make this successful. Yeah. Okay, very interesting. I mean, I did um, speak to, uh, many years ago, um, an example. And I think, whether I wonder if this is a trend. There's a guy, and I can't remember his full name, but I know his, his sort of Western name, Jeff from Next Labs, oh. probably part of your um, your ecosystem, right? Yeah, actually, Jeff is actually one of uh, my board of advice when he first started. So I met him. He helped me a lot, and now he's uh, my one of my my board of director in Flexible Pass. And, awesome, and he's <laughs> one of his uh, investment company is also one of the investors. So I work very closely with him. Yeah. All right. So interesting story about him. I spoke to him maybe like three or four years ago. Yeah. Maybe four years ago when he was. Oh, right. I think he just came back from Singapore. He was studied here in Singapore. Yeah, right? that's true. Yeah. So there's a lot of startup founders like yourself who lived abroad went back to Myanmar and started mm, their businesses yep. but they kind of got their ideas from outside mm. Myanmar right is that sort of the trend that you're seeing at the, these people sort of educated abroad come back to Yangon start something um, there's some startups do it like that, but we also see other founders who've never studied overseas or abroad, but they are able to like start off uh, their business and are still successful so I don't think that's the uh, I mean, the requirement or anything like that, but it just certainly helps, but then people who have done it as well. Yeah, we, as you were mentioning earlier, we do draw inspiration for people like Jeff, who's done it very well, I think starting from 2012. And then once I have like people like him, who's like more like a techie guy. So he knows all about the tech, all the UI, UX, he helped me a lot with it. So like more confident in getting more, even though we did face a lot of challenges in the first six months. Yeah, it was great you got somebody like him on board because he's sort of paying back into the ecosystem and helping grow people like you. And then maybe you'll do that as well yeah. in years to come as well. I, kn- I knew one of the first investors in Next Lab. He's one of my friends here in Singapore, uh, a guy named Ned Phillips. Oh, okay. He invested in Jeff like quite early on. Mm, yep. And a sizable sum as well. So he took a big risk on that ecosystem as well. But I think that was quite lucky for somebody like Jeff as well. You couldn't rely on those angels investing from outside into Myanmar. What's the investment scene like in Burma at the moment, in Myanmar? Yeah, so the investment scene is more like companies looking actively investing. I think there's 
like as I mentioned, the Jeff's part of this company called Seed Myanmar, which is like a three-man board which are actively investing in Myanmar. So they invested in Inflexopath and like around six other startups in Myanmar. So they're actively investing. There's a few other VCs who have invested as well. I think for Flexible, we actually have invested with all three VCs. All three investors are VCs. So right. I think we do have a lot of VCs coming in. I think more and more are also looking into the market. But I think in terms, comparing to other countries like Singapore or Malaysia, I think the investment deals and amounts and the, the frequency of investment is still very low. Yeah. So. Uh, you, you're over here raising funds at the moment? Yes, we are raising funds. Okay. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about your raise at the moment and mm. what you're looking for, who you want to talk to. And I want to also ask you about why people should think about Myanmar. Yep. What makes it a great place at the moment? So let's start with your own raise. Yep. So we're planning to raise a total around 200000 300000 for our next uh, pre-Series A round. US dollars. US dollars, okay. yes. And we've already uh, got some of the money committed from our existing three investors, but they would like to see one or two new investors join in to just help us out and then maybe come help us with uh, our plan exit strategy to maybe get acquired by a big other fitness startup in the next few years. And as for why they should look at Myanmar, we feel um, they're really only one so far and because there's barrier to entry for other uh, big startups, fitness startup to come in because there's issues with the payment, challenges with the payment because you can't just charge money to the user's credit card because people in Myanmar doesn't, most of right. them doesn't have credit cards. So you can't do that, those type of models. So we feel we have a, our own localized way of doing that. And if they do decide to come in, then we can maybe work with them as well. And we feel no one is doing like the wellness category yet. So we want to go into that and still be the first mover on that. Yeah. What, what do you think? I mean, as looking at Myanmar startups generally, mm. is there anything that makes them special? Um, obviously, there's some outsized returns there's some huge returns in these markets right yeah. if you can identify the best teams and the right people and the right opportunities is there anything interesting about myanmar beyond the fact that everything we just talked about that why that's a great place to be in right now why should we be in myanmar and not vietnam or <laughs> not any of the other markets huge high growth markets at the moment yeah, so I think the why Myanmar would be like special because I would say like maybe not now, but it's less and less now. But I think in the last few years, everything's kind of like new itself. Like I think like right right hitting was pretty new. Like for example, now fitness was new. Like uh, travel startups were new. Like bus ticketing startups were new. If you say you want to do a bus ticketing platform, like in Singapore, people are like, oh, there's already tons of other ones. But yeah. in Myanmar, if you say that, you're like, oh, that's a great idea. How are we going to execute it? So people are excited about these little uh, ideas that have been done all over the round. But in Myanmar, it's still new. So people are still very excited about it. I think though more and more ideas have now been taken away, I think there's still a lot of new potential ideas to do that. I think. Like, I mean, like only like Grab and Uber came in around 2017. So right. still other like big startups haven't come in yet. So yeah. even like food delivery startups, we have a, a bunch now, but then the international ones haven't come in yet. So yeah, do you, do you um, does that make it a great place to get things done? Yeah. So I mean, it, for example, if you, mm. you go there and you have an idea, you could probably find people to join your team mm, yeah. quite readily. I mean, getting talent is, is it much of a challenge in, in Myanmar? Here in Singapore, it's really hard to yeah. get talent like people come here looking for startup people good luck because <laughs> a there's a, a decreasing uh, youth population here it's oh, quite okay. it's a, you know a, any sort of successful economy has an old um, a, you know big sort of old population so there's less young people here plus there's lots of options like you could work for a bank you could work for a law firm mm. why risk everything in a startup right that yeah. sort of mindset so it's hard to get um, startup talent in Singapore what's it like in Myanmar 
I think in Myanmar also pretty tough as well. I think there's a lot of people who wants to do startups, but then it just they may not have the required knowledge or like the mindset to do it because they're like all excited by the idea of it. Like, oh, I want to do a startup. Like, I want to do a, a food booking application, something like that. But then, do they know how? What are the metrics needed to do a startup? Let's say like how much the importance like customer acquisition costs, lifetime value. All those things are very uh, useful and very important for startups compared to a normal business. They can't run in like a normal small business because startup is supposed to be scalable and growth. I think that's the challenges a lot of people in terms of the resources are facing. Because yeah. when the international investors come in and look at those growth, they're like. They're not too happy with those growth compared to other markets because I think people are just focused. They're just happy with just hitting the target. But I think to go to the next stage, you need to really focus on these numbers. Yeah, well, is that just really uh, taking time in terms of like learning the skills? Is that, or is it a lack of resources to get there? You know that now that you go from those sort of early stage startups to growth stage, yeah. what's needed in Myanmar at the moment? Is it more? venture capital is it more understanding is it more sort of role models more sort of like later stage exits mm. that you can look to what do you think is the key at the moment i think it's the key is like every a bit of everything you just need like all in every place step by step to really grow the whole thing it's like more role models more exists and then more vcs coming in and then even when after the vc are put in i think it'll be best if they just work closely with the startups to see what are the goals they want to take it to the next level rather than just putting the money and just left and run the whole thing then that's may not be like very suitable because the startup may not know how to do it to the next stage. And also, I think it will be more good if you have more resources. I was competing in C-Stars, I think, event last week, and then they had like a boot camp where they run through all the investment readiness program and how to do like, there's like a quick brief on what other things needed to focus on a startup. I think those ones are really helpful for yeah, startups. Yeah, exactly. Well, great. It sounds like an exciting place to be. And are we going to see more people like yourself, Sally, coming coming out of Yangon or places in, in Myanmar to Singapore? Is it, are you sort of front-running a trend here? Are we going to see, like, Echelon next year, like, 20 of you, like, coming, all these young guys coming out of Myanmar? What, what do you think? How is this going to develop? Yeah, I think there's a lot of potential for people to expand outside Myanmar. I think one of my friends, uh, she does a freelancing platform called Chaser. I think she's already planning to expand to the Mekong region from yeah. Myanmar. So I think she's also at the Echelon this time yeah. as well so i think we see more startups uh planning to expand to other regions as well so i think there's more and more coming as watch well. out excellent yeah. love it um definitely a place to watch and do come back on the show in you know coming months or years and it's update us on the growth of flexible pass as well as myanmar yeah thank you because i think we're going to see and hopefully you know it would be great if, if you're successful to sort of help mentor and onboard young Burmese startup founders coming through as well that'd be awesome like you pay a little bit of back mm, to yeah. those guys like Jeff did with you right mm, yeah, true. that sort of like evolving of the of the startup ecosystem is absolutely what's needed right um, let's just before we finish um, shout out to all the people that are watching back home in Myanmar maybe we could just say something like in Burmese mm. Please like my video. So you can, if you like the video, YouTube will promote that out. Help get your story out to a lot more people. So something like that, however you want to do it in Burmese. Okay. Yeah, so just in English, thank you everyone for watching and for people watching in Myanmar, uh, like the video, like the video, okay. 
Yeah, man. Go, yeah. Myanmar. Salut, bye, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. And, and good luck tomorrow in the pitch competition. Yeah. Thank you, Graham. Yeah. All the best. I hope this trip to Singapore works out for you. And any other Burmese startup founders thinking of coming over here, um, just let us know anything we can do to support you because Sully is blazing a trail here. Um, obviously, reach out to you. I think yeah. it's a good starting point because you. I'm sure you're willing to help people yeah. like, just trying to get ahead. Like maybe you're a few years down the road from these guys. Anybody that needs help, reach yeah, out to Yeah, just Sally. reach out to me. I think we also, I'm also part of some of the mentoring programs, part of Pandia is always uh, part of it as a mentor. So the people, if anything, can just reach out to me. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Sally Bala, everybody. Thank you so yeah. much. Thank you, Graham. It's a pleasure to be here. That was Pitch Deck Asia, powered by Pitch Media Asia. My name's Graham Brown. Pitch Deck Asia is a platform to give startups in Asia a voice. We give them a show to help them tell their story. And if you love these startup stories and like hearing more about the journeys of the founders, go and check out our SoundCloud channel, which is available at pitchdeck.asia slash SoundCloud. That's pitchdeck.asia slash SoundCloud. Head along to the channel, subscribe, follow us, and feel free to leave a comment or a rating on our channel as well. We'd love to hear your feedback.